Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's up, Geekscapists? Welcome to a brand new Geekscape podcast. I'm Jonathan London, your host. And if this is your first Geekscape, well, welcome. We're going to be talking exclusively about The Mandalorian Season 2 on this one. It is a special. If you want more of like a normal Geekscape where I like to sit down with a creative from like movies, comics, video games, and talk about storytelling, we've got a whole ton of them in the feed. Uh, Yeah, we've got about 15 years of them. Um, that's usually what we do here on Geekscape, but we do have these specials where I like to sit down with my good buddy Ian and get kind of like a deep dive on one of the major geek events. Uh, I got some light in my face. If you're watching this streaming on YouTube, Facebook, or on Twitch, trying to figure out where the shadows lie, but we're going to be talking exclusively about the Mandalorian season two. There will be spoilers. So I'd like to just let y'all know there are going to be major spoilers from here on out. If you're watching this live, I'm going to keep that spoiler warning banner up just to let y'all know. Um, and Heidi's nice enough to say, you know what? You want me to come hang a curtain on the window so the shades don't give you stripes? Nah, I think we're good because our good friend Neil Johnson, who's a fantastic director in and of himself, says the light looks good. I think it adds a little bit of a, a mood. What do you think? Um that's all right, you think? Matt Kelly says, I love these afternoon episodes that I can watch at work. And uh, Matt says, you know, Heidi, come in and help the man out. He's going to be blinded. No, I'm, I'm going to be fine. Geekscapists, we have important stuff to do. We can't worry about this light. Um, we got to get straight to the Mandalorian. <laughs> and to Ian, our specialist, who started Geekscape with me all these years ago. If you enjoyed the Geekscape, I'm still trying to shift. If you enjoyed the Geekscape holiday special a couple uh, weeks ago where we raised money for Big Brothers Big Sisters, that was a full Saturday, 15 hours long. Uh, I think Ian was missing a little bit. He's a guy who start, I started Geekscape with all those years ago. Uh, but you know what? We got him here for you, and he's here now. So let me bring him in. Ian, how are you, buddy? You doing all right? Doing okay. You know, in this whole quarantine, locked at home thing, Uh we started it with you. We started quarantine yeah. with you, and now we're back. Uh, we're I back. find it we're back, baby. 
Oh, uh, you were having you had a busy day, man. You didn't think today was gonna be busy, and I have you running around right before recording, setting up your light and setting up your recording and this and that. Are you doing all right over there? I'm fortunate to be working, you know. I do hear that. I uh I handed in my last bit of client work last week. I am on fun employment now, not collecting unemployment, but I'm excited to have uh, a nice stretch until now, until like the first week of January where I can just concentrate on some stuff. I think I might knock out some writing, some editing, and we'll figure it out. Um, Matt Kelly wants to, 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 to give in real quick. He organized, he wants to, to put in his two cents. He organized the live stream uh, last weekend, which is all up on the feed. Everything's up there. And uh, he says, Ian not being on the live stream was a huge oversight and the producer of the sh- event should be fired. Well, Matt, I asked Ian Ian says that Saturday nights and Saturdays when uh, we asked him to be on the live stream. Uh, earlier would have been fine, but you asked for like yeah. 9 o'clock Saturday yeah. night. I couldn't Ian, do it. Listen, listen, pal. This is how it works. We had 15 hours of programming. And yes, we could have put you on any of those first 14 hours. But that last hour is the Geekscape proper show, the main event. They were all fantastic programming. Maybe not horror movie night. They're all fantastic programming. But, Ian, I wanted you on the main show, buddy. I wanted you to talk the MCU. I wanted you to talk about these new Star Wars Disney Plus announcements. I want you to talk I wanted you to talk about that stuff, but I guess we're going to have to settle on some of that talk later on in the episode today because we are definitely going to talk about Mandalorian season 2 and we're going to talk about these spin-off shows. If you can call them spin-off shows that we got coming out of uh, the Disney stockholders announcement, investors announcement. I think you can call them that. Yeah. Um all right. Here we go. Mandalorian season 2, buddy. Let's start generally. Um I and- like it. Yeah, let's start generally, and then let's <laughs> then let's go into like specific episodes, specific beats, and then let's finish up talking about the expanded universe shows sure. that we want to talk about. Okay, so obviously you liked it that this this whole season was pretty like awesome, and it was a lot less gun for hire than season one. One, you know, season one was kind of like the one offs. Everybody's got a mission. There were out of eight episodes, I think there were about half of them were gun for hire episodes in the season. Would you agree? Was it even half? I mean, you had. Yeah, I mean, killing a crate dragon. Flash third. Yeah, the first kind. Yeah, I guess the kind. So the first couple. Yeah, I would say killing the crate dragon in uh, in the marshal, delivering the passenger in the second episode. Right. The heiress. She had to do a job for Bocaton. He had to do a job for Bocaton. The but, siege. But, but, but the heiress is doing a job, but it's also forwarding the rest, and we're getting Bocaton. Okay, right. I'm going to take that one off. And so so we definitely, the siege definitely was a gun for hire, but then we start getting into the cloning plot, yeah. which is I pretty important. Here's the thing. His expertise is doing the mission, so it plays in. But what the show's done so well is it's, you know, it started off with just a mission and now it's it's all structured, right? That's his quid pro quo. What can he do for someone? Well, he can do a mission, but it's still advancing the plot. It's not, it's not like they're just one-offs, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean... He's a bounty hunter. This is what he does, right? You know, he's going to do missions, but, you know, I don't know. To me, you know, looking at the heiress, like even the Jedi, you can argue, you know, he gets hired to do a job, but would you call that just, you know, a gun for hire episode? No. Yeah. This one definitely had more cohe- like story cohesiveness than the first season. But the first season was very much, are you drinking during the episode? What are you doing? Uh, the first episode, the first season is definitely him and the child developing this relationship. But now you have him and this child maturing the relationship into something that is a little more father-son and definitely 
kind of grows into. So, I mean, the child, this is the child isn't even in episode seven of this season. He's not even in the believer right. where, where they, they follow Mayfield on in, into that planet to blow up the, uh, or to get the Imperial plan so they can get right. to Do- Moff Gideon's, uh, uh, light destroyer, whatever you want to call it. Um, so overall, Ian, what were the ones? What were the parts that you thought were the highlight, and what were the parts that you thought were like the softies, like the parts where you're like, eh. I mean, look for me, you know, the second episode's probably the least, but by no means does that mean I, I, I didn't love it. You know, I, th- I think you were a little less enthusiastic about that one. No, uh, the second but, se- the second episode was arguably my favorite. But oh, really? Keep, keep in mind, I was sitting. First off, I think Peyton Reed is awesome and deserves all the praise that comes to him all the time. Yeah, I've thought that for twenty years. Yeah, he's great. Also, sitting next to Heidi when those spiders bust out awesome. is was probably the best moment of the season. And I know there are a lot of cool seasons uh, moments, but <laughs> sitting next to Heidi as those spiders start crawling, and then you see like thousands of them. Come on, that was amazing. <laughs> I'm glad you referenced Heidi because um, what I have happening this season that I didn't, I season one, I watched on my own and a bit with my stepson, you know, after the fact, my wife didn't watch till way later. Um, so season two, I've watched every episode. I'd watch it because I have to watch it right away. Of course. <laughs> then you stopped to email me at 1am to make, to ask if I'd watched it. Wait a second. The one time I emailed you, first, first of all, I make a point to email, not text in the middle of the night, right? I, I have everybody on mute, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. So, but I mean, look, on, on episode eight or chapter 16, I had to get out there right away. You have to watch this right away and avoid the spoilers yeah. because there was just no way. And so, as I was saying, my wife is now really into it and wants to watch it and actually gave me a bit of grief um, before episode um, seven or uh, chapter 15, oh, you just have to watch it at midnight and you can't wait for us to watch it as a family the next night. I'm like, no, I cannot. And <laughs> boy, did I feel vindicated by chapter 16 and, and that assessment, right? Oh my God, it got spoiled for me within... It, it did not get spoiled for me, I'd like to say. Uh, but it would have. Uh, listen, you know, I definitely got your email waking up before episode 16. And I definitely got your email. I went out for a run. I came back. And as I'm leaving Griffith Park at like 7 a.m., I I call Heidi and I say, hey, wake up. I'm picking you up coffee. We're watching this episode first thing so that I can use the internet the rest of the day. And and we watched it immediately. So it wasn't spoiled for me. But um, it wasn't about an hour later until somebody had uh, responded to a tweet on Twitter, which, hey, just so you know, in like the 10th plus year of Twitter, 15th plus year of Twitter. Like if you respond to somebody on Twitter, you, your followers see your response, but also see the tweet you're responding to. So if that has a spoiler in it, they're going to see it. Don't do that stuff. Don't do it. Yeah. Just a little fact, uh, just a little, just a little tip since Twitter's only been around 15 years. And I have to say that, you know, we've had this conversation numerous times about, you know, Movies coming out, you know, going to the theater and people discussing spoilers, but something about it being episodic, I, maybe there's an assumption everyone could just easily access it whenever. No one gave a fuck. It was just like, boom, 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 you know? Yes. Um, the Boba Fett had been ruined for a friend of mine. And, and again, like I did a pretty good job of getting straight to the episodes, at least at a lunch break at the earliest, to make sure it wasn't spoiled for me. 
But I have so many stories of friends who have had from the Boba Fett reveal to mm-hmm. the, to this Luke Skywalker reveal to all across the season, just getting ruined for, I mean, people yeah. need to chill on the enthusiasm. They don't need to not have enthusiasm, but they have to chill on conversing it until I think the weekend is a pretty good gauge. Hey, as, as I said to you, even Mark Hamill's tweet, seen any good TV today, you know, um, I said, I'm not even post, I'm not even retweeting that until mm-hmm. a few days because I think it's just too much of a, you know, I mean, anyone that has, is familiar with it be like, would know immediately, right? Right. Certainly if I retweeted that, people would know. Yes. Um, I did not retweet Mark Hamill's tweet, even though it was awesome. I thought it was hilarious. And then this morning, Ming-Na woke up to the yeah. book of, uh, of book Boba Fett, Fett news uh, about Robert Rodriguez being added as an executive producer and part of the creative team with Dave Filoni and uh, John Favreau. And she said, any good news? Anybody hear any good news? So it's cool that, that they're doing the book of Boba Fett. We're going to get to season three. We're going to get to the spinoff Ahsoka show. We're going to get to what we think Obi-Wan's going to be. Uh, we're going to get to all that stuff. Um, season two, we were talking about it. You you didn't like episode two as much. No, was it because I, of that? I, I still loved it. I just you know thought it, it was just a little bit... Um, it just felt more like a bit of a frolic going off on, on a tangent, you know, but I mean, it, it all worked and it was great. It was fun. I, I loved, you know, the X-Wing pilots coming in. One of them was Dave Filoni, which was great. You yeah, know? we, we uh, do see one of them later on in uh, in episode four. So, yeah. um, so there is a little bit more of the yeah. Listen, we, we could break out some highlights of every episode. I mean, look, opening up with that extra length first episode, you know, um, which was great and so cinematic. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's the thing about this show is I think there's some criticism of the very first episode of season one. It felt a little bit, um, I heard people say cartoony a lot, right? Which, you know, considering the pedigree of the Filoni stuff, I mean, for me, that wasn't an insult in any way, shape or form, but I understood that people didn't feel it was quite as sophisticated as it might be. And this show, you know, obviously getting, you know, the child, Baby Yoda, Grogu, into it, you know, up the stakes. So I, I generally would say to people when they're w- watching, if they hadn't watched already, to watch one, two, and three together of season one, because then you kind of, you, you really see the motivation. I mean, you know, he's had his arc and, you know, and as a character, he's shifted, he's grown. I mean, if it was a feature, he's already had that evolution happen, right? Um, you know, season two, um, I just think, from the get-go, it's just fully realized and great and just has all those elements, you know, of just being really solid. And as I said, again, it just, the whole thing feels like a feature. Um, you know, in essence, when you look at the season, you know, together, it's like we're, we got this extra long uh, movie, right? So, yeah, I, I just, I love the whole thing. Um, episode one, I mean, the tease of Cobb Vanth and the Boba Fett armor. You know, and then it isn't Boba Fett, you know, all the way to the ending. Of, and by the way, seeing a crate dragon, amazing, you know, evocative of Dune. And yet, you know, if you know the extended universe stuff, I mean, they've always referenced crate dragons forever. We've only seen a skeleton of a crate dragon. Yes. It, 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 yeah. And, and episode four and has. Yeah. Very yeah. First movie, there's a skeleton. But yeah, exactly. So, I mean. That was just awesome. But, you know, it's, I got to tell you, it's funny for me, a lot of people I knew that watched it didn't really catch that's Timur Morrison at the end. 
And I had to say to people, I'm like, yeah, you know, there's Boba Fett at the end. They're like, wait, what? I said, it's Tamara Morrison scarred up. That's Boba Fett. People are like, oh my God. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you not, would, everyone would, it. not everyone knows this stuff is, is inside out as the rest of us. And it's immediately referencing episode two when they're watching that, you know, the fact that the whole episode happened on Tatooine. And that's the first time I think that we've been on Tatooine in, in the Mandalorian. No, no, he, 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 he dropped in uh, to Tatooine right. in season one. And that's, that's where, we, that, that's where we met the character who watches the ship. Um, and, and Fennec John. Right. And so, so, we, you had told me that you thought that the the feet in that the the teaser on that one episode was Boba Fett, and I was like, that sounds great, that sounds awesome. Let's bring it on. It's been long enough for for Boba Fett, and but and keep in mind, Geekscapers, when you're listening to this and watching these shows, this takes place. What would you say in a a, a year or two, maybe three at the most, after Return of the Jedi and the destruction? Five years. It's five years. Yeah. So this is what so I want to ask. Five years. How long are they together now? Is it a whole year? I don't know. But five, and five, six. five, six years, like how is this is a question I have. How's Cobb Vant still alive? Because if he has the Boba Fett armor and keep in mind, like it went to the Jawas, it was eaten by the, the, you know, I have to say, I haven't read the aftermath book right He's in the aftermath book. And apparently he has the armor in the aftermath book. They never reference it as Boba Fett's it's Mandalorian armor because, and you know, it's great. It's one of those great things. You don't see it because you're reading a book. So it's not till you see it and you you know that's Boba Fett's armor. Yes, when you see Timothy, when you see Cobb Vance standing there in Boba Fett's armor, uh, you get it. What I want to know is when you think about Boba Fett in that reveal at the end of episode one of the second season, when you see Tamara Morrison turn towards camera and he has a determined look on your on his face, and you're like, oh, we're gonna get some more Boba Fett later on. Um, he waits for the armor to get off planet before he actually goes for it. Yeah. I, listen, there, there has to be a story there. It, it, it's definitely a, a big question. You know, how did he lose it? You know, how did the Jawas get it to sell it to Cobb Vamp? And why exactly? Why, why did it not come for it sooner? You know, you would imagine that he would come after Cobb Vamp and say, give me my armor. Uh, I'm wondering, I, you know, but I have faith in Favreau and Filoni to explain yeah. it. That's that. And maybe the, telegraphing of the way that they took out the Kray Dragon are the two kind of head scratchers in episode one of this season for me, where you see them load the explosives onto a Bantha and then they go and dig a hole to blow up something that also dig, digs holes. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, just have it eat a Bantha and explode. Like, we know it's getting there. We know it's going to get there. Sure, sure. That being said, it's a cool sequence. Like you said, it's like super cinematic and it's huge. We get to see, you know, him fly around in his jetpack. We get to see a bunch of the huge stuff that we only saw. In there. It was great. Also, in that episode, you know, when Cobb Vanth is firing off, off, you know, the rocket, I'm like, all right, do you have? How do you reload this? You know, <laughs> that's what I ask about the risk launchers as well. Yeah, with the risk launchers, I'm like, you just take those little needles and just keep putting them back in the risk launchers once you've fired it. But also, like, they make a point, at least in season one, about getting a reload. You know, like, you know, he gets it from the armor. It's like. You know, they're gone, they're gone. Like, you can't just go and buy this at just anywhere. Yes, and the firing of the, I'm just going to call them killer bees. I know that's not the name of them. But the the the, the wrist rockets uh, is a major part in the fight with uh, Moff Gideon in, in episode eight of this season. Because he knows that he's already expended them. Um, right. Okay, so episode two. I love episode two just because it's a fun monster movie. Yeah, it's very fun. It's, it's yeah, super cool. I think great. I mean, all the controversy over... 
Um, I mean, I want to call him Grogu now, but at the time we didn't know him as Grogu, but you know, over Grogu eating the eggs. I mean, it's fun. It's funny. You know, we can get to the argument between, if you look at episode two and episode three together as the, all right, they're just eggs. They're not sentient yet. You know, does he really understand what he's doing? I mean, but honestly, it's so macabre. I think it's hysterical. Yeah, it, it is funny. And, um, Again, what I also thought was amazing was that we actually got to see artwork that was developed for um, Empire Strikes yeah. Back on screen. Those spiders yeah. were created for Dagobah, and we finally get to see them on screen. And I, yeah. I just love that, you know, there was a meme going around this weekend of, you know, two kids playing with old Star Wars toys, and it was like John Favreau and Dave Filoni writing for The Mandalorian. And I do I love that. that I love that. It's really cool. And uh, Geekscape is follow Geekscape on Facebook where we share stuff like that. Ian, clearly, he's been too busy. He's not on Facebook. Um, <laughs> right. Half the ones you share are mine. <laughs> there is also that. <laughs> yeah. I should have texted it to you, too. Um, but I do love that those two seem to be going back through like, the old archives at Lucasfilm and finding artwork and bringing it all back out. Stuff that never made it to the screen is making it in the, on the, the screen here. And, um, Jim Pelgrinelli jumps in here from Brooklyn to say, is, so is it just me or does it not feel insignificant that the best Star Wars content we've gotten in the last 20 years was serialized with more room for character development in a longer story? You know what, buddy? We got like a nine-hour trilogy out of J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson. I don't know if that was... I think the mechanics of some of this stuff is off. You know what I mean? And we can talk about it later on. I want to talk about that. I don't know if you read the article from Forbes I sent you about nostalgia swallowing the the star wars franchise whole and you know we i definitely want to talk about it because that's how the season ends uh with the appearance of luke skywalker and for the freshness that season one felt like and a lot of season two felt like because it avoided the skywalker saga to have it end with the skywalker appearance even though it is a brief one to me is like oh no no i don't want it to fall into the gravity well that is the skywalker's you know saga I, you know, and we had Jonathan, I have a common friend that that was his first reaction. And, and I appreciate that point, but I don't think it does that. I think, you know, my wife's reaction was, well, of course it was Luke Skywalker. And to which I said, and I know I said this to you, Jonathan, I was like, yeah. And if I was reading a comic book or a book or even an animated show, there would never have been any doubt in my mind with, with everything Ahsoka said and summoning and, and at that time in history that it would be Luke Skywalker. But because of the constraints of, you know, I mean, listen, and, and we'll get into whether, you know, how good the CGI was, but we couldn't imagine it would be Luke Skywalker because it's a television show. You don't expect Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill is, you know, um, in the 70s, seven, yeah. Yeah, he's 69, I think. 69. You know? So, you know, playing himself at 40, I mean, sort of playing himself, right? But, you know, it's all those things, you know, um, we just, we wanted to believe it. I know, listen, my personal reaction because I wanted to believe it, but I really just didn't think it was that would happen. When I see the X-Wing fighter, I just start tearing up. I'm, no, actually tearing up is not even the right words. I it was, was coming out the other crying. end? Oh, I was okay. fully crying. You know, I was sitting alone in the dark watching it. It was like 12.30 at night. In the middle of the night, and I'm, I'm just like crying. Because I'm, literally, and I'm sitting there, and the whole time, you know, and they do the whole thing where, you know, you can't see, you know, he's in the hood, and yet it, it, it looks just like you're in the no, The second you see uh, his right hand, the second you see right. his belt buckle. Like, the right hand, I'm literally sitting there going, like, they're really doing this. They're really, they're doing, really doing, doing this. this. 
You know, and the whole time I'm like, they're not going to take us away from them. They're really doing this, right. you know? And then, and then it's Luke. And then even, I was just so amazed that even R2 coming on screen, I was like, well, of course R2's there. And yet I didn't think I was going to get R2-D2, you know? I was just like, I, was like, I can't believe this is happening. So but obviously the, yeah, no. the point is it's not swallowed up because it makes sense that, that Grogu goes there and we'll discuss whether or not he comes back. But, and that's it. It's tangential, but it's important because we did look. The, the reality is this, the second you brought in, you know, a force sensitive creature, you know, that needed to be learned the force, you were touching on that. And, and, and that's the good argument. You know, most of the first episode, when, when the show was just announced, we thought we weren't going to have that. But once you bring that in, it is it is touching on that, but it's not going to be the rest of the show because season three is clearly going to be about a Mandalorian, you know, civil war of sorts, you know? And honestly, it's positioned really great because, and I know, Jonathan, you haven't watched all the Clone Wars and Rebels stuff yet. I'm, but, I'm, in, I'm, I'm in deep on it, though, which is, okay. which are, I'm, I'm appreciating a lot of it. I think it's not till season four that you're really going to get to the stuff that's going to become relevant here. But there's a lot of background stuff in there on a Mandalorian civil war before the empire. And then in rebels, you'll get to what's after the empire or when the empire is in power. So all this stuff and you know, what we have set up um, within um, the Mandalorian um, we have, you know, obviously, you know, afterwards in the fundamentalist side of it, you know, what, what the, the watch was the night watch, um, death watch, excuse me. Um, you know, they're these fundamentalists and he's this great character now because he's caught in between, you know, but he did take his helmet off. So, yeah. and you, you might be thinking, well, they don't know. There's like, yeah, but they ask and he's going to answer say, have you taken your helmet off? Does anyone take your helmet off for you? Yes, he has. So by their creed, he's now out. And yet he sort of leans in their direction because right now he's rightful heir. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, unless you disagree with him taking his helmet off. Well, but here's the trick is even though he has, he still has it. So right. very begrudgingly need to follow him. They just might not be that happy about it, but that's the trick. Well, I know that there was all the rumors about uh, Pedro Pascal and whether or not he's on set and whether or not he was happy with it. Obviously he, he, he said today that he's going, you know, I had read a story that he's coming back for season three. Obviously it's a great it's definitely season three, whether yeah. or not he's happy about it. It look, it's actors. I mean, yeah. actors have the things they want to complain about. doesn't want to be in the helmet to paint, whatever, you know, it's actors. I suspect and I'm not really clear. Listen, we know that season one, the first, I think it was four episodes. He wasn't even cast yet, you know, mm-hmm. and they did the voiceover afterwards. I'm not clear exactly how much it's him in the armor when he's, when you don't see his face and just voiceover. But if to whatever extent that wasn't the case before, I'm sure it will be going forward that it's not actually him in it. And he does the voiceover. I have to say, I was thinking about this this morning. He does such a great job because his voice has that right blend of, you know, he's badass, but sensitive, you yes. know, I mean, he really just, just such a great job, you know, and, and well, what I, I was going to say was that the, the show, dep- you know, I was reading this article today that my friend, Andy Ranger, I think who's watching right now, uh, sent me that, uh, Josh Spiegel had, had talked about being a casual Star Wars fan and how like things like the, the Luke Skywalker appearance and the rebels references and characters like, uh, 
Ahsoka Tano coming back. It like doesn't mean as much for him. And he just wants to see the advancement of a pure story, a fresh story. And I get that. But he also referenced the Kuleshov effect, uh, you know, which is in film when you take a picture of a, of a man, like a blank faced man, like you could say it's Mando. And then you have a picture of like food. You would say that that man is hungry just by the Kuleshov effect, giving you that kind of reference between the two images. You would connect that in your mind. I do not think that that is what is happening here because we do, yes, have that episode three in season one where it's almost no dialogue. We do have a lot of episodes where there's long stretches where the only characters that that are on screen is a baby that can barely talk um, and Mando. But what that isn't attributing is the physical performance of these actors where you do have the mastery of a puppeteer or you do have the mastery of someone who can use his physical body and the the way that he walks his gait the way that he stands to affect a lot of emotion and you don't necessarily need his helmet to come off to get it and then you add in the voiceover that you were talking about then you add in the inflections then you add in all that that stuff that should not just be like scrubbed to the side as not part of the performance you don't need to have your helmet off to get a great performance that being said episode seven the believer he takes his helmet off uh, for Mayfield with Mayfield uh, to access the computer where the rules were a little gooey there. And that was another part where I kind of scratched my head and said, I don't think he needed to turn it, take his helmet off for that. I don't see why Mayfield didn't access the computer himself. Uh, considering uh, the guy didn't even recognize him later on. Well, wait, wait, more importantly, I agree with you there. And um, comment my wife made, who's a writer, she said, you know, it would have landed so much more if he hadn't done it in episode seven and just did it for Grogu. Exactly. That the point. Would that would have been huge. Boom. You know, like he's never done it. And this is when he does it. Mind you, he still did it for Grogu in episode seven, but I agree completely. Didn't need to do it there. Should have just been in episode eight. Yeah. That's um, a, that was one of my head stretcher moments. I wanted to say, you know, Luke Skywalker and the ending by Boba Fett is what we're all talking about. But episode eight was so good before then it was already so amazing and he and and that also it's like 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 it's almost like you know in all the hubbub we're losing sight of how great the show is with pedro pascal and everything else you know and same thing you know and we're going to discuss this but you know i mean is grogu not on the show you know yes we fell in love with grogu but the show's great regardless you Mm -hmm. know there's so much going on there's so much great about the show um Listen, episode seven, Grogu wasn't in. It was great. Yes, yes. And again, going back to that, that, the fact that Filoni and Favreau are going back through the years and pulling stuff out, the appearance of dark troopers in the uh, the, the, the episode, um, I think it's called The Tragedy, which is the, the sixth episode where you have Boba Fett confirmed and he shows up and they fight around the Jedi Temple. I went crazy because dark troopers were introduced in the dark forces video game when I was in freaking high school, that was the first instance of dark troopers. And you know, when Lucas arts got sold to Disney and they, they kind of threw out the, a lot of that extended universe stuff from the nineties, I thought dark troopers were going to be gone. I thought, but, but you, you I thought had, Ron was going to be gone. In episode eight of season one. Right. It's like, was, Hmm. Yes, we did see the dark troopers, but now we get to see them actually flying around and stuff. They look a little, they look different. They definitely look different. Because they they say that because they've evolved, now they're fully droids. And they weren't. Yes, which is a head scratching moment for episode eight. That when Jonathan said, Oh, really? Never seen like droid troopers before? 
uh, did you not watch the prequels? They're all droid troopers. <laughs> like right. The Separatist oh, army only used what, droid troopers. What surprised me about the droid thing is I thought, and maybe, you know, I was off there, but um, after episode 14, once they've taken Grogu, and, you know, and they're taking his blood, it seemed to me like they were going to a place of, you know, maybe trying to use the blood and study it and maybe give the dark troopers force abilities. Mm-hmm. So yes. Then yeah. they got the droids. I was like, all right, did they turn? I was like, wait, did, did I miss something? Isn't that the whole point of why yeah. they want his blood? It's not just about cloning. I mean, it, you know, in, in the first, you know, actually in the third episode, we thought it was about cloning, you know, mm-hmm. but we know that he's not a clone. We found yes. that out then. And obviously we definitely know it now. And I do like that there's a, uh, a stretch right there where uh, Koska Reeves uses clone as an insult to Boba Fett and says yeah. like, you're, you're not the original. Like, as you know, calls, yeah. She calls Django Fett a donor. She says right. your father, no, that's not your father's armor. That's your donor's armor. Right. And they get into that fight and destroy that poor person's uh, bar. But you know, it happens. Um, and also like, you know, that, that voice, I've heard that voice thousands of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you watch clone wars, you've definitely heard that voice thousands of times. Um, the cloning never comes back into play in this season. How does it play into a season three of the Mandalorian? Well, it is the thing is, you know, I, I don't know how you, your thoughts on this, but, you know, I remember being a kid and seeing, you know, Star Wars. I'm not even going to call it episode four because when I first saw it, it wasn't episode four yet. So sure. that's, wasn't, that's not true for you. That's true. Um, don't, don't, don't condescend me on my show, Ian, please. Listen, <laughs> you're a child. What can I say? So anyway, um, so, you know, what did Clone Wars mean, you know, when you were a kid before, you know, I mean, none of us knew what it meant until, you know, what, a little over 20 years ago, right? Not, not even 20 years ago, really. Right. Um, so, you know, we had different thoughts about it. You know, even the, the thing about Boba Fett, the Apocrypha in the 80s was Boba Fett's the last clone. I don't know where that came out. You know, it was just one of those things that was said, you know, you know, you could not find anywhere Lucas actually saying that anywhere. But that was a thing that was just one of those we all believed, we knew, we heard somewhere. You know? thought the Mandalorians were fighting the clones. We, we all had a b- bunch of stories about what the Clone Wars were yeah, in yeah. the 80s and early 90s. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't know. And um, right. We didn't actually know what the Clone Wars was about. We knew the Clone Wars was a battle that happened. We definitely didn't know it was a galactic civil war and that the Empire was formed over it. We didn't even know that, you know, I mean, my perspective was the Empire had been around a while. I didn't know that, you know, the Republic, you know, but here's the funny thing is, you know, when you're a kid, you don't really have a perspective on time the same way. Because clearly Obi-Wan Kenobi was a Jedi Knight that was around before the Empire and, and fought for the Republic. You know, you're not really thinking, well, how old is he? You know, and, and what's really messed up is what was Alec Guinness then, you know, in his 50s? You know, I don't even want to talk about that, you know, because he seems like he's 90, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, by today's standards, you look at him, you'd be like, yeah, what's he, like, 85? Yeah, when you're a kid, you're like, man, that guy is so old. Yeah, and he's, he's like, like so he's on the river quiet, and you're like, that guy's right. still old. Yeah. Because I'm saying, like, you know, when you get to the point, you realize that the Empire wasn't even around 25 years. Yes, you know, yes. when you the take Emperor, the, the Emperor's yeah. killed, the, the Empire's around 24 years. You know, it was, you know, 19 years before the Battle of Yavin, you know, was Empire Day, the day that um, Luke and Leia and Ezra Bridger were all born. Mm-hmm. 
you know? So, you know, the empire wasn't around that long, but, and yet, listen, and you've heard me say this many times for as much as, you know, there's things flawed about the prequels, the political stuff is brilliant. It's very smart the way it's set up, not just how the empire itself was formed, but, you know, what becomes very clear, you know, is the thought about that the part of the Clone Wars, the, the war between the Republic and the Separatists is so strongly designed to corrupt and undermine the Jedi and kill them off. Mm-hmm. You know, so because it, and again, you're watching the Clone Wars now, but you see like they're in all these battles and they're not necessarily in the right. And so they're getting, you know, morally ambiguous and, you know, they have to think about that stuff. And so all these things clouds, you know, their vision, the force and all that stuff. So it's just, it, it's a very smart thing. I, I really strongly feel that the Clone Wars show strongly elevates the prequels, actually. But then you start seeing that, is, would you consider the Mandalorian in probably heavily season three and the Ahsoka Tano show, obviously, that got announced? Would you, are those just continuations of the Clone Wars or are those feel like they're the same thing? Well, or is that even a fair assessment to think that these are such a linear concept and not a branching concept? So here's the thing. Um, they're, they're canon, the animated shows. It's all consistent. But I think what they've done a really good job of, I mean, look, for me, seeing the Darksaber at the end of Chapter 8 was huge because I recognize the Darksaber because I've watched those shows. For people that didn't watch it, exactly, you know, the comment before. Doesn't mean the same. Ahsoka doesn't mean the same. Bo-Katan doesn't mean the same. Darksaber doesn't mean the same if you haven't watched it doesn't mean you don't enjoy it and doesn't mean you're not going to become invested in what's happening. And I think what they've done a really good job of is, well, because Din Djarin, the Mandalorian is becoming invested. He doesn't give a shit. Right. Before, right. Yeah. It's now, a, the best episode is episode three, when he decides that he handed the, the child over and he needs to go back and get him in season right. one. He's like, well, holy shit. What did but, I do? But I'm, but I'm talking about this. this what, what happens with the other Mandalorians now? He doesn't care. He doesn't care about Bo-Katan's war. Now, this setup is he's stuck in it. Now he has to care. And what's going to happen is the armorer and those fundamentalists is all going to be pulling on him. Okay? Mm-hmm. So it's actually, it's really brilliant. And if you think about it, I was shocked that they resolved, you know, the, the deal with Grogu now. And it's, it's interesting, though. Think about it. Season one ended. He has a mission. I figured this is going to propel the show for years and years. No, it was one season. And that actually does make sense because now – He's stuck in something else and he doesn't have time to deal with finding the Jedi for Grogu because now he's caught up in this Mandalorian shit. Mm-hmm. You know, he's caught up in Bo-Katan's war in, in reestablishing Mandalore. You know, and I, I think that's actually really cool. And it doesn't matter if you didn't watch Clone Wars and Rebels. By the way, when you get there, it's like it's not the whole show. It's like there's just a bunch of episodes. Right. You know? And you um, also have the search for Ezra in the Ahsoka well, show. Yeah. All right. So now we're going to get, we're getting to heavy spoiler stuff with rebels, but yes, the way rebels ends, that sets up something that the Thrawn reference is, is referencing. But again, it doesn't matter. Listen, maybe, you know, Thrawn only because, you know, maybe you read those books, you know, um, the Thrawn trilogy and duology, um, which are no longer canon. So for, for people watching that don't know. So, there were books back in the 90s. That saved Star Wars. Both of them did a license. They did Dark, Dark Horse Comics, and they did some books as well. Okay, and they at the time, they said those were all canon. Yep. And then cut all the way to Disney, taking it and said, those aren't canon anymore. 
But you had people like Filoni that said, you know, some of this stuff that's been done before is just so good and it's also known by fans. So they picked and choose certain things, you know, certain aspects of it they used. So Thrawn was this amazing character. They decided to reintroduce him in, uh, in Rebels. And they've actually, since the comics that Marvel does, they've done a Thrawn miniseries as well. So that's also canon, um, an origin story. So um, the bottom line is, all you need to know watching initially Mandalorian and what the Ahsoka show will be is Grand Admiral Thrawn was a major Empire commander who has his own fleet, okay? And if you watch Rebels, you'll see, but he disappeared and it's tied to the fate of a main character in Rebels, Mm-hmm. Okay, so you don't need to know anything else. You don't listen. You don't even know, need to know that much because they'll give you a little exposition when the Ahsoka show starts, and you'll get it. You know, I think they do a great job if you can just watch the show, and you're fine. You I know, love, I love that. I loved those three books so much, and they were very important to getting me back into Star Wars in the early yeah. '90s. But and, that, and that when Ahsoka said Thrawn, the Thrawn moment was actually bigger for me than the Luke moment was. As cool as the Luke moment was. The Thrawn moment was the one where I got super excited and felt like I was in that expanded universe that I had been promised all those years ago. You know, again, like the the gravity well of the Skywalker saga is something that I like, but I've texted you a million times that the droids are plot holes, like upon plot holes, because they were witnesses to everything from Anakin on up. And if Luke in Empire Strikes Back is established to be able to just communicate verbally with R2, R2 has so much information that he's not giving Luke. What a jerk. Right. They make a point of that C-3PO had his memory wiped, but R2-D2 knows everything. Right. So like when Luke says, you know, when when Vader reveals that he's his father at the end of Empire, I'm like, what were R2 and Luke talking about on those long X-Wing missions all that all that time? Because like I've always thought that putting the droids in the prequels was a mistake. Just because of that, because you're going to start. I I have a question for you. Yes, R2 knows that he used to work with and was the property of Anakin for a while. Oh he yeah. Doesn't know, he doesn't know that Anakin's Darth Vader. As far as he knows, Anakin died in Mustafar. Do, do we know that he ever heard Anakin references Darth Vader? I don't think he did. So he believes there'll be one when he says that, you know, your father was corrupted by the dark side in, yeah. in, in episode four. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jim Bogarelli says R2 is a withholding, gaslighting little shit that makes Obi-Wan look forthright <laughs> by comparison. <laughs> I, I agree completely. Not even a question. Absolutely true. <laughs> R2 is such a little liar. He actually cl- claims to be Obi-Wan's property, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Beyond that, I mean, you've always heard my argument with Chewie in the Battle of Shake in episode three and how it just throws out Han and Chewie's relationship like crazy because Han still can't be, be convinced there's the force, you know, 18 years after the Battle of Shake and, you know, Chewie was part of a major Jedi battle. It's like, wait a minute. He, yeah. doesn't, he doesn't speak Wookiee at all. He has no idea what Chewie's saying because Chewie would clearly be like, oh, yeah, about your disbelief in the Force. Uh, I was actually in a battle with Yoda on my back. And- but, but, but maybe he wouldn't. Maybe it's like, all right, you believe, believe it doesn't matter. They, they, they all got wiped out. Maybe he just doesn't talk about that shit. You think Han has a let's not talk about politics rule on the Millennium Falcon? I just we, we don't I, talk I, politics. I think Chewie just might not talk about that shit. 
<laughs> it's like the family yeah, members who clearly voted for Trump, and they're like, I don't want to talk about politics. It makes you know, me uncomfortable. No, it's like veterans, you know, they don't talk about the war. It was a long time ago, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> Joking aside, you know, I now look back and I wish I asked my grandfather about World War II. My grandfather, who had a full head of hair, you know, and, and went in and came out completely bald. Wow. Okay? Never talked about it and never seemed appropriate to ask. So what's our excuse? We didn't go to war. No, oh, never mind. That's a whole different podcast. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> a male powder. I mean, our hair falling out in our middle age is a whole different podcast. Uh, Chris Vallon says, I wonder if they considered having Boba Fett present when Luke showed up. I know it wouldn't have taken things in a whole, I know it would have taken things in a whole I, different yeah, I, direction, I which is probably why he yeah. was gone most of the episode. When he dips out after getting them onto the ship, when he dips out, I was like, wait, what the fuck? But at the same time, you know, not his fight. And uh, at the same time, though, he does uh, leave um, uh, Fennec Shan there with to fight with them. I think the idea is that he can't leave. He can't get the slave one in. They got one ship in. That's it. What's he right. supposed to do? Right. You know, he can't fight, you know, a whole Star Destroyer, you know, or like Cruiser, whatever it is, you know. Um, so he had to get the fuck out. Mm hmm. I mean, they way in, yeah, but I think I think to Chris's point, that's just it. Ultimately, they know what's going to happen. It does not work. Luke Skywalker seeing Boba Fett for either of them, right? That would have been a that would have been awkward. Yeah. Um, the next thing I was going to ask, we wanted a Boba Fett show. We don't want a dead Boba Fett. <laughs> I know I brought up the uh, the fact that the Dark Troopers are not the first droid army, like not even close. And I and I thought that it was weird when they were like eliminating the human element was the last piece, the weakness of human element. And I just think like, no, the Separatists had droids, uh, a whole droid battalions left and right. Um, yeah. I would like, as much as Filoni and Favreau love the, the Holy Trilogy, original trilogy stuff and celebrating that for like the older fans, there's a generation younger than us that are in now in their 20s and 30s that the, the prequels are their first trilogy. What's up with us not getting remnants of the clone army as droids. What's up with us not getting, you know, those alien races more present and stuff that post Jedi, you know, it seems like the prequels, both droids and alien races are kind of like wiped off the map. We see, we, we see walrus men, but we don't see anything else really. And we're in the outer rim. It's not like the argument is like, Oh, those are races in the outer rim. No, no, this is this. See, this series is taking place in the outer rim. We're seeing all those weird outer rim planet. Didn't we see um, one of oh, – I'm blanking the name. One of Watto's race? I don't know if we saw one of the Watto's races. You know that I want to see a little Jar Jar up in this. Well, you have to realize <laughs> that Gungans are only on Naboo. Right. You know, and seemingly outside of Jar Jar, you didn't see them, you know, as a spacefaring race so mm -hmm. much. You know, I mean, listen, I I get your point. I'm, I'm not arguing against it one way or the other. I mean, one of the big things is that, for the most part, the technology is mostly gone. You know, the droid armies were wiped out. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, and, and the Clone Wars, it's been a while. It's The Clone Wars is 30 years ago. You still see cars from 30 years ago, Ian. Which is why, listen, a lot of people argued when the prequels started, oh, everything is so much newer than, you know, in the other ones, you know, and yet it's supposed to be later and people are losing fact the fact that, yeah, everyone has like old rundown ships, you know, mm -hmm. that, that's the idea. So, you know, unless you have a control 
mechanism. You don't have droid armies that were actually specifically completely wiped out. So shifting a Remember, little bit on that. Power and, but they're actually the Republic becoming the empire wiping out the separatists. So do right? we see, yes, the separatists were wiped out. Do we see some of that episode one and episode two, episode three language in the Obi-Wan series? Maybe, you know, what's really curious about the Obi-Wan series now is with the announcement of Hayden Christensen being in it is, you know, how are they doing that? Like, for me, like they're actors in masks. Well, no, wait a second. I'm fine with. I love the idea of look. I I want. I'm into like the, the Vader series and seeing Vader and Obi Wan at the same time. But then it's not. It's not just an Obi Wan series because they shouldn't meet, right? Yes. I mean, the, the line is there. When I left you, I was but a learner. Now I am the master. You know that. I mean, we're pretty sure they haven't met since then. Mm-hmm. You know. So the show. So if the show is just a period in time, and we're seeing what what the each of them are doing, good. I'm into that show. You know, I just I'm not sure that it should be called Obi Wan. I guess we'll see. I'm not exactly sure what they have in mind, but right. um, it, it's, it's it's very exciting. I mean, you know, uh, in the same way. Listen, they've done they've been doing a comic of Vader right after, mm-hmm. and it's good. So, what would you expect the Obi Wan series to be? Because I am, uh, I'm kind of bouncing around Geekscape, so I know I wanted to stick to the uh, the eight episodes of Mandalorian season two, but I think this is all intertwined, and we have to. The, the Obi Wan series I expect to be while he's on Tatooine, studying the Force and getting pulled into certain adventures. I would not expect him to go off planet. I would have expected it to be some kind of you know more of a you know on Tatooine kind of thing. But of course, he could go off on a mission here or there. But you know, obviously, the idea is that he has to stay undercover. You know. Mm-hmm. That being said, knowing that he and Vader don't confront each other until A New Hope, um, is there any chance that Obi-Wan at least realizes, as Chris Fallon says in the comments, at least that Obi-Wan witnesses Vader and knows that Anakin is now Vader? Uh, oh, I think Obi-Wan completely knows that Vader is Anakin. That I, I don't think there's ever even a question that Obi-Wan knows. So why does he hide like a little bit? Because, you know... It's an interesting argument. Why, why did they wait so long? But A, how does he find him? And B, was it ever going to be a fair fight? You know, was Obi-Wan going to be able to just go up against Vader alone and fight him? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can argue, yeah, why do why do Obi-Wan and Yoda not just get together and go? And, and Because they have millions of stormtroopers and star destroyers and everything else. When and where were they going to fight him? Right. They're fighting it's, a whole empire. They didn't even go looking for Grogu. So I have a little bit of arguments against both of them for just leaving them out there like that. Yeah. And, you, you know, listen, I mean, it seemed like Ahsoka's implication was that Grogu was sort of, you know, pulling back from the force. You know, I mean, not quite the level of what Luke did, you know, in Last Jedi. Right. Mm-hmm. But the whole idea that he kind of turned himself or off from the force and wasn't using those abilities, you know, because he sort of keeping keep himself safe, I think is sort of the argument there. You know, I had people say to me, oh, how did Luke find them? Well, the idea was that Grogu reached out with the force using the temple to magnify th- those abilities and he connected to Luke. So Luke was able to come find him. And I hate to reference it, but, you know, it, it's very much like episode nine, you know, mm-hmm. and, and eight, you know, and, you know, just that 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 connection between Ray and, and Kylo Ren, right? 
Sure. So that's the idea there. Absent that connection, they don't know to be out there looking for him. I mean, mind you, Luke's actual mission at that at that point in history is he's looking for Jedi to train. Yes. And you, you're seeing this uh, story come out over the last couple of days that uh, all these series, including the uh, Republic Rangers, and you've got the Obi-Wan series, the Ahsoka Rangers Connor the series. Republic, Ahsoka, Boba Fett, and Mandalorian are all at the same time. And they've said that they're going to all, they're going to, so we're going to get, mind you, maybe just, you know, eight episodes of each. Maybe it's longer, maybe it's a few seasons, but they're leading to a big event they're planning. They're doing this, I mean, Defenders, but you know, um, honestly, I think that even though it's TV, the better example is Avengers. And really, I think that the right example is Infinity War. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think that's really more of the, the idea. But we probably won't see Grogu until then. Do you believe? Maybe. You have to think of any time in between. See, here's the thing. For me, and you, you'd probably argue, oh, it's too much. But I think the limitation of not recasting Luke like with maybe someone like Sebastian Stan is that they could have done a miniseries of, you know, Jedi Academy kind of thing with Grogu, you know? Um I mean, if it was a comic book, they definitely would have, right? Right. But where did the Sebastian Stan thing come from? Because I just started hearing that when... Because he, like, he, he looks like Mark Hamill might have looked like, you know, if, if you know Mark, Mark Hamill's face hadn't gotten too messed up and put on a lot of weight in a good way. Hey, don't you knock Mark Hamill on Geekscape, please. I, I love Mark Hamill, but I'm saying that, you know, I mean, Sebastian Stan is a lot more... It's a much bigger guy. We'll check in with him in 30 years. How dare you? <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm saying looking back when he was at the same age yeah okay so that's what the internet's talking about it wasn't you know uh okay i have a question it's very specific when Kara Dunn's gun jams this laser gun what did it jam on considering it, it was probably a battery like like the, the, how does that gun jam the question does that gun have moving parts and i think the idea is that since it's such a you know it, it's Kind of like a machine gun type of, even though it's firing, yeah, yeah it's, it's a blaster. Um, I it's think like that, jamming. No, I, I think that there's supposed to be more of a, a mechanize a mechanism in there. You know, something a little mechanized and a moving part. Obviously, there's nothing jammed there isn't a moving part, right? Okay, all right. Just I had to I had to cross that off the list because I was like, what the hell? No, uh, I affected it. Knowing that the droids in the episodes one, two, and three move so quickly, I'm thinking about those rolling droids with the. Why are the dark troopers so damn slow? And should they na- just name them dramatic tension troopers, which seems to be <laughs> what they're built for? Listen, coming back to your point before, you know, it's interesting that they decided to go with, you know, oh, upgrading the dark troopers to full droids. But I kind of agree with you. I do think it's it's a problem. They had full droids before. I didn't see anything so special about the, about those droids versus the battle droids, you know, previously or chaos. They were small as hell, and you needed to plug them in. Like, it was weird. Um, Why, you know, and this is a licensing issue. Uh, Every time I saw the Dark Troopers, we cut to them, and we knew that they were coming. And you'd have these ominous shots, like close-ups of Dark Troopers in, like, sleep, you know, mode and some of that. And then they'd wake up. They needed to start start playing Let the Hot Bodies Hit the Floor. Like, they just started playing that song. I'm just saying, like, you know, were they any more deadly than KSO2? No, I would actually KSR two seemed a little bit like if you, yeah, I, I think you you hit KSR two hard enough, 
I think mm-hmm. KSR two or what are the IG or or the any of the IG units I think would have yeah. a problem. But the Dark Troopers just seemed stronger. They seemed built a little bit tougher. And I love the sequence where he's punching Din's face into the wall. <laughs> yeah, sequence is great. That being yeah. said, uh, it's also awesome when they start flying back into the ship and you realize like flushing them out wasn't going to stop them. They're coming back and you have that line, like any life forms, you knew it was coming. No. Yeah. Um, the, the, the one drawback for me of the Luke Skywalker ending is um, that is the ending. And again, the gravity well of the Skywalker saga takes away from uh, what these four characters plus their, their captive Boff Gideon take. It, 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 it doesn't because his mission was to find Jedi. At that time, you know, you've, you've literally... You're saying his mission. Yeah, yeah, that mission, because he still has other things to do, that mission was to find a Jedi to teach Grogu. I mean, when you think about it now, of course he's looking for Luke Skywalker, who's literally setting up the only Jedi Academy in the galaxy mm-hmm. at that exact time. Ahsoka can't be bothered, it seems. No, she can't. She has her own. She's not a teacher. That's not her thing. That's exactly what Luke's doing exactly at that time. So, of course, it's that. It's peripheral. He dropped him off. That's his deal. But the kid's coming back. And he's going to be very different when he comes back. Now, we don't know what the learning curve is, is for this beast. And mind you, he's 50, you know, and what, you know, you know, I mean, is it going to take him 50 years to be training other Jedi? I mean, I don't know, but you, you got to think that, you know, listen, I've always had an issue because, you know, they say, you know, apocryphally that Luke studied with Yoda for a year. And I'm always like, I'm always watching Empire. I'm like, damn, this seems like it's going by quick, you know, yeah. Yeah, Luke come on for a year. You know, I mean, we don't even get into relativistic speeds in the Star Wars universe, right? Right. So we're not getting into that. But, you know, I mean, how long were they in Bespin? Yeah, no, they were in Bespin like less than 24 hours, in my opinion. You know, because that that trap had to be sprung. And it's like you're going to take right. a week. And, 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 and Peter and Boba got there before them, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they weren't just hanging out, you know, waiting to spring the trap. So, Ian, why did Din not give Grogu the ball at the end of the episode? Well, listen, you can argue that 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 you call it a ball. It's literally a, a piece of the ship that doesn't exist yeah, anymore. It might have been nice if he did. You know, you could argue it would be attachment. I, you know, maybe he wanted to keep it for him to remember him. Right. You know, it would have been nice. It probably is, you know, it definitely would have been a nice moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it's a whole. I, th- I, I suspect that we'll see him having that ball, you know, thinking of, of the kid, you know? Yeah, I think that the Mandalorian season three will have, I mean, obviously it's a Mandalore Civil War looking thing. Um, I don't know if you involve the Rangers of the New Republic in that, because it seems like that level of a political upheaval, uh, even though it's in an outer rim, would be uh, something that the New Republic would be... Oh. On well, the that's, that's, that's probably this the show that I know the least about when yeah. I think about what's coming. Uh, mm-hmm. Come come closer to the camera, Ian, so you don't, we, don't know, we don't know what if, if Rangers is just going to be again, same thing. It probably starts off as a mission of the week and will become bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, we know Ahsoka is looking for Thrawn. Um, we have, you know, what the Mandalorian initially was going to be dealing with and you know, to bring the Mandalorians together. 
Um, Boba Fett, it seems, going to be involved in criminal stuff. Um, so here's the thing. He's running the Outer Rim space fairs that, 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 that Jabba used to have. Right. I and think that he's taking it over. And that is not, I mean, or, come on. That's something, okay? So, well, all right, you don't necessarily know all this because you haven't watched those shows yet, but you're going to get a bunch of Darth Maul in, um, in Clone Wars. Right. And, you know, so anyone that watched Solo and sees Darth Maul at the end goes, uh, I don't understand how Darth Maul on this. Well, you didn't watch Clone Wars. Right. Um, he's in it. He survived. He gets very involved. He's very involved in the Mandalorian episodes. And then he ends up, as you see in Solo, very involved with Black Sun, which also is a reference to extended universe stuff. But it's basically the mafia of the Star Wars universe. Um, but it's called Crimson Dawn in Solo. Yeah. But yes. is that the same as Caesar? Right. It's Sun? the same thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, the thing is, Unfortunately, in my opinion at this point, as much as I loved it in Rebels, I don't want to say much. I'll just say that Darth Maul's story comes to a definitive end in Rebels. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He's in Rebels a lot also. Yeah. Um, I mean, here I am trying not to spoil something that that came out years ago. You don't don't have to protect me. um, I've been watching Clone Wars and and there's a lot of stuff as I'm catching up with it that I'm enjoying regardless of the fact that I know the ending. Okay, well, Darth Maul, you get the Darth Maul Obi Wan fight. Yeah, cool. You wanted the refight, cool. um, and I, I'm going to use a comic book reference. Do you remember when God Gardner and Batman finally fight? Yes, it's like that. <laughs> it's like, bitch, please. <laughs> it's, yeah, one punch. It's like yeah. that. <laughs> um, I want to see where this Obi Wan series comes from. You know, if it's just confined to if it's just confined to oh, Tatooine, more about a second. It. So, talking about, so, so that's the thing. So the criminal stuff is going to go on there. You know, it won't be Maul. Um, I'm wondering if, you know, we can see some Maul stuff in the Obi-Wan series, potentially. I think the Lando series maybe picks up the Solo stuff, which would yeah, be awesome. The Lando series, but it seems like it's separate from the Mandalorian going on that are happening. But Obi-Wan and Lando, so here's the thing. You have Filoni and Favreau doing... All four of, obviously, Mandalorian, Boba Fett, Ahsoka, and Rangers. Mm-hmm. And so it's their plan doing all four of those to bring it together what they're calling an event series. That was yeah. the announcement. Um, we don't know if that's after one season of all these other shows or a couple of seasons. But there's going to be something that brings them all together. Is it a new galactic war? Is it because of Thrawn's fleet? You know, what is it? You know, um, I mean, to, to, to go to the books, you could have a whole use on Vaughn kind of thing, you know? I mean, there's all kinds of things it could be, right? That brings them all together. Um, you, you get so excited. I love having you on the show, man. And then you have the Obi-Wan and the Lando prequel-ish series. Right. Right. So you, 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 you have, and, and mind you, they've said 10 are coming, mm-hmm. right? They've said 10, 10 shows are coming. But, you know, but look, we've already identified seven. Right. Because there's the unnamed fifth event series. You're not including Bad Batch. All right. So, so actually, that's, that's eight. Mm-hmm. So you have, you have Bad Batch, which is a sequel to Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Okay. You have Obi-Wan. You have Lando. You have, I mean, well, in 10, maybe. Should I, are they saying? 
You're also including the event. Could be event show, but should, does the Mandalorian count in the 10 or is it 10 extra but past Mandalorian? I don't know. I don't even know anymore. We were talking on the uh, Geekscape, if you want to listen to it, we were talking about all the Marvel shows that were being announced on Disney+. Plus, and it's like, how many of them are going to be announced but not actually happen, including some of the movies? You know, Because well, some of that stuff folds into each other, and you have that yeah. stuff happen. Well, Marvel-wise, I've heard, in terms of development, there's like 30 or 40. <laughs> doesn't mean they'll happen. It just means that's what we're talking about. The other thing that, that I really love about what Marvel's doing is we call them shows. They are shows, but they're not necessarily ongoing shows. Right. We get right. Santa, the Star Wars. Oh, oh we're, forget, we're getting uh, Cassian Andor. But, um, and that's a perfect example. Cassian Andor is a miniseries. It's once. It's not going to be five. And I feel like Obi-Wan would be as well. I think so too. Yeah, because of the marquee level of the talent. Not yeah. to take away from Pedro Pascal or any of that, but yeah. like it, it's, a, it's a huge get to get yeah. Ewan McGregor. Shows that are going to run seven seasons, certainly not 10, 15 seasons, you know. I mean, The Mandalorian very, very well may be done. A third season is The Mandalorian Civil War stuff. Then you get the event series, and that's it, mm-hmm. you know. Although I do have to say that um, Giancarlo Esposito referenced a, a season three it's and positive. season four. Yeah. Esposito is how it's you positive. pronounce his name. <laughs> he, was very, he was very clear in his interviews about that. <laughs> so. You know, anyway, he did reference it season three and season four. Um, so, Ian, what were the like broad stroke highlights of this season for you besides the Luke showing um, up? Ahsoka Tanu for me was massive. Bo-Katan initially, but I knew Bo-Katan led to Ahsoka. Um, Boba Fett, of course. You know, I mean, that's a blew me away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then, yeah, you know, I mean, obviously he's taking off his helmet. That's great. You know, move along with that. But from reports, it sounds like it's just going to be that sparing thing still. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously Luke Skywalker, just next level. Listen, I, I do. I get it. And I agree. You don't want to be sucked into the black hole of that. But I don't think that's what it is. I think it, it's a one-off thing for now. Um, I do think that whatever the event series is, I don't know how you could have that not happen again. You so know? what was your response to the Forbes article that we got? I didn't read that. Okay. So Scott Mendelson wrote the Forbes article that, that Star Wars are being swallowed whole by nostalgia and that the, these shows in including so many of these characters that were referenced from other places, the Holy, from like the original trilogy to, to Clone Wars, to Rebels, to video games with the Dark Troopers, now you have this issue of, you know, and he, he did reference um, Ryan Johnson trying to break that pattern in uh, Last Jedi. Um, you you have this sort of bleeding on nostalgia where you and I, as people our age, you just listed all those as the highlights. What does that do to well, well, the Star Wars universe when well, it does? Well, when, does that make sense? Yeah, you're making an interesting argument because, you know, like Rogue One, a Star Wars story, and even there, we expected it just to be this thing, and then Vader shows up. I love that Vader showed up. I thought Did it was, he a little, it? It was a little weird, considering he doesn't fight like that when he fights Obi-Wan in episode four. Listen, yeah, the, I'm like, wait argument, a minute, what? The, arg- the argument of that is that they're both using the Force against each other and countering each other, and you just don't even see it. Sure. It's, an, it's a revisionist argument. But they're, it's like they're so powerful that they look like they're just fighting, reg, you know, like regular people. Yeah. So um, what do you say to this, to, to an article on Forbes that is saying that Star Wars is now being swallowed whole by nostalgia and that, like, what do you, I mean, you're watching some of these uh, episodes with your stepson. Like, what, 
what do we have for fans anymore that are new fans that have things refresh? You can give the prequels all that you want. Uh, the prequels, you can criticize them all they want, but Lucas worked really hard to introduce a lot of new stuff in it. Um, you can, you can, you know, you can go against the last Jedi you want. Ryan Johnson worked really hard to try some new stuff and blow some well, stuff up and break. Don't even give that to Ryan Johnson. I mean, JJ Abrams did that. Okay. You know, Ray was putting her at the center of the, of those prequels. It was all about it. We're not making it about the old characters. They're peripheral. Yes. But the old characters still are. They were there to sell it. Trilogy. They were there to sell it. Right. Yeah, and you get Leia all the way through. Not that, and you get Chewbacca all the way through. You get the droids all the way through. You get the Millennium Falcon all the way through. Um, the universe starts feeling a little bit smaller when you do things like that, wouldn't you think? Yeah, that's, I, I see the point. I, I, I'm definitely someone who what I loved about the Mandalorian initially was that it wasn't tied to it, and you know, and then, but you know. But emotionally, once you get, you know, the, everyone, Baby Yoda, you know, that, that tie was part of it. It's the Force, you know. It was kind of cool. Listen, you know, how do you feel like, what do you mean he doesn't know anything about the Force or Jedi? He doesn't even know what they are. Well, you know, it's the Outer Rim. A lot of people are like, how is that possible? Because it's so many years since they've been around. Even, you know, years before, it's the Outer Rim. The, go, go to episode one and Jedi seem like people have heard of them. They're like this mythological thing. Right in the outer room, yeah, yeah, in the outer room because they're they're not out there. You so, know, going forward, Ian, we are not going to see any Skywalkers. I probably not much. I mean, I I, th- I think that you know it's going to be a big question. Whatever the big event series is, and when that happens, what they do there. Um, you know, at a certain point, you know, ranges of the New Republic. Do they have to make reference? To Leia, maybe. Yeah. Maybe and not. You know, Manny Rattner brings up a good here. point. Ray was a fresh, impo- like a fresh yeah, okay. character coming out of the gate, but then she turned out to be Palpatine's granddaughter. Right. She could not and, escape the gravity well of the Skywalker saga. <laughs> right. But, you know, that's they, the tricky I mean, thing. It, right? feels like a, it feels like a cave right. a little right. bit, like right. a cave right. in. The problem is that they said it was a Skywalker saga, and Ryan Johnson trying to pull her out of that. I get the point that you're making, but I felt that that was a mistake. You know, you want to deconstruct Star Wars, do that in a one-off. Don't do that in the main saga. Okay. I understand the reason for it, but no, having, listen, yeah, it frees up a lot, but then she's not, you know, okay. So then she adopts the name. I mean, it needed to be tied in there in that story. Right. You know, I think, I think think it is cool and fun to do other stories, you know, some of the comics are doing that with, you know, like some of the bounty stuff with Dr. Afro. Yeah. You know, Darth Vader pops in here and there, but you know, they, they, there are some other really cool characters that are were not in the movies that have been done in some of these other places, you know, and, and it, it is a big help. And we haven't mentioned the movies that are coming out that we, that we, we have. I mean, look, here's the thing with everything happening in the show, like, you know, okay, great. Um, Patty Jenkins is going to do an X-Wing squadron movie. Sure. Whatever. Really? You know? You're going to whatever. Listen, I'm going to sing and I'm going to go. But Ian, get when, tickets. You're going to go when, day one. When does, of course I am. But when does it take place? Like, does it even seem relevant when you're getting Rangers of the New Republic? 
you know, and this event series leading up to it. Is that movie? What's that movie even going to mean? And Taika Waititi has a movie coming out. And you know, he does everything fresh. Whatever he does, I'm going to be into it. But I'm just saying that, like, it does definitely feel at the moment like they, they've got a much better handle on Star Wars than the movies have had in ages. Mm-hmm. So, Ian, closing thoughts on, on Mandalorian Season 2. Loved it. Amazing. Can't wait for what's next. I do want to say, I know there was a lot of confusion about, you know, announcing Boba Fett, the book of Boba Fett, coming in December at the same time that they've already previously said Mandalorian Season 3 is coming. And that, you know, it's now made been very, made very clear. They are two different shows. Very curious to see are they really going to drop at the same time. I think that's a mistake. You don't yeah. want both shows on exactly the same time. You, you know, you stagger that unless they're actually going to be crossing over. You know, and again, it's like, you know, it's a lot. I think you want to have your event thing of you have your your Star Wars show on one at a time. Mm-hmm. Well, Ian, we got to have you back in, I think, February, early March. When no, not, not WandaVision not. wraps up. Oh, sh- oh I'm going to see it next week. Ian, Christmas we're going to see it. We're, we're going to see it. We're going to see a next week for wonder woman i'll give everybody uh, the weekend to watch wonder woman before ian and i drop a little live episode talking about wonder woman you know heidi's gonna be knocking into that one she's gonna want to she's gonna want to voice her opinions on wonder woman um and then in january we start getting some wandavision so maybe in march we'll do that wandavision episode and uh you know what whenever you want to watch new mutants we can talk about it Do, do, do we want to do one? Do I need to watch that? Do you want to do it? Have, you, know, have you not seen it yet, Ian? Yeah, I'll watch it. <laughs> watch you, it you, and uh, let me know you what want, you think. If you want to do one right now, I'll, I'll make a point to watch it right away. <laughs> um, get close to the camera, please, my friend. You, you're in shadow. You look like a Sith Lord. Um, I just want to go on record as saying I enjoyed New Mutants, but I saw it at a drive-in, and that really helps the enjoyment level. <laughs> Um, normally I would have gone, of course, if, if we weren't in quarantine, I would have seen it right. you know, that night, no matter how bad it might be. You I and I both, it. brother, we sat through the spirit together. That's <laughs> one of the best yeah. movie going experiences I have. Yeah. And it had very little to do with the movie. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, Ian, let's hope yeah. that we're all in a theater this time next year. Uh, I think that this summer, maybe we'll, we'll have a chance to see the, some of these movies. And I'm going to hold to my belief that theaters will be in such a dire state come the uh, widespread of a vaccine and the, you know, hopefully the decline of COVID that they're going to need to put movies like Wonder Woman and Tenet back in theaters just to get audiences back into them uh, for the, at least the, the first calendar year. We're going to start seeing these blockbusters re- that were supposed to be released coming back. They're going to have theaters. a lot. They're going to be releasing a lot. I, I don't think we're going to see Wonder Woman in theaters at that point. We'll see, but we'll see. I mean, I think that we're going to start seeing limited engagements for movies like Tenet and Wonder Woman that did not get their at-bats. Yeah, I think that that would be opportunities, you know, certainly in markets like Los Angeles. And uh, maybe a theatrical release for the movie you're anticipating very much. And we're totally doing this. Snyder Cut. (laughs) We got to. We got to do the four-hour Snyder Cut in. It's going to feel like Clockwork Orange, but we're going to do it. Uh, and Jim Pugranelli in Brooklyn, his last thought is, if you guys watch New Mutants, I may finally bite the bullet and watch it. Well, I will make a point to watch it this week, Jim. And if, if Jonathan wants to do a podcast on it, I'll do it. Okay. I watched it in August. So you're going to have to lead me through it. But you can rewatch I, I think it. it'll be I fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I liked it. No, no, I liked it that much. <laughs> Geekscape is uh, go if this is your first Geekscape please tell your friends about us right, 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 podcast 
What's that? Harangue Jonathan to rewatch it so you can do a podcast. Yeah, Geeks Game has harassed me to rewatch New Mutants so I can do a podcast. Um, and uh, yeah, follow us on all the social medias. Follow Ian on Twitter. He is on Facebook and he is a member of the Geekscape Forever group on Twitter and our Geekscape page on our, or I'm saying Facebook, um, all that stuff. So Geekscape, just search for Geekscape on the internet. You'll find us. And if you're listening to this on the podcast app, give us five stars. We would love that. There's a lot more Geekscape coming. As Ian said, I just got transcripted into do conscripted into doing a one over next week. So look forward to that one. That'll be fun. And, and new music. <laughs> it's going to be a season of giving here on Geekscape. So jump on in. All right. Thanks, Ian, so much, dude. Right. Take care, buddy. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 